Welcome to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We put knowledge and care within reach so you have everything you need to live your life to the fullest. This podcast is sponsored by the UM Capital Region Health. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, is a group of respiratory diseases that affects about 16 million Americans, according to the CDC. And in this episode, Dr. Uday Nanavati, a pulmonary disease specialist, and Dr. Fadia Nassim, an interventional pulmonologist, address your concerns, treatment options, and more. So, Dr. Nanavati, I'll have you start us off today. How does COPD develop? So COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a disease that develops in patients after exposure to some environmental toxin. Most commonly, this environmental toxin is smoking, and it has been observed that after 10 years or so of smoking, the airways get damaged, and that's when the patients start developing symptoms somewhere after 10 years of smoking, whether that happens over two decades of their life or three decades of their life, typically uh, around the age of 50 and and onwards, we start seeing symptomatic COPD develop. And Dr. Nassim, what are the common symptoms for COPD? Are there certain conditions or factors that can trigger symptoms? So the most common symptoms in patients with COPD are shortness of breath and cough. And to elaborate more, the patients may have shortness of breath at rest if they have advanced COPD, or they may have shortness of breath, especially with physical activity, when they will notice that they're limited in their daily activities or with excursion exercise. That would be an indication that they're dealing with a chronic bronchitis or emphysema, which are two processes that are part of COPD. When patients complain of cough, they may have a chronic cough, which may be dry, or they may have increased mucus production as a symptom. And alongside those, they may also notice that they're wheezing, which is sort of a whistling sound that they can uh, experience coming from their chest. They may also feel tightness in their chest. Some of them will describe it as uh, chest pain even. And then overall, being tired, lack of energy, unintended weight loss are symptoms of advanced COPD. Now, Dr. Nanavati, turning back to you, describe the types of procedures used to diagnose COPD for us. So most of the time, the diagnosis of COPD begins with a detailed history of As Dr. Nassim described, patients can have chronic cough, they can present with shortness of breath. As their primary physician or pulmonologist goes into details, what kind of work uh, exposures they have had, uh, when the clinicians suspect that uh, the patient has COPD, the most common test performed to begin with is called spirometry where you blow in a tube after taking a deep breath in, and then you blow out and empty your lungs out. As the name suggests, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, we tend to see a reduction in how fast the air comes out on that spirometry, and that forms the basis of initial diagnosis of COPD. As the pulmonologist gets into deeper details, uh, we perform what is called full pulmonary function test. 
where we assess whether you respond to albuterol, the common inhaler that is used to relieve symptoms. We also test uh, during pulmonary function testing more detailed lung capacity, whether you are retaining the air and not exhaling it completely. And we also look for the diffusion capacity, which is the ability of the lungs to absorb the air, if you will. We also typically will perform a six-minute walk test. I call it as a personalized yardstick, if you will, so that year after year, you can compare how much you can exercise in a fixed amount of time on a level surface so that we can know whether your disease is getting worse, whether you are improving with treatment and exercise and, and nutritional adjustments. Sometimes the patients with COPD will require an arterial blood gas analysis to try and understand whether they have lack of oxygen, whether they are unable to excrete the carbon dioxide in their breathing. Finally, for the initial diagnosis, especially in the younger patients, and if we adopt the guidelines, uh, almost everybody with COPD should get screened for genetic abnormalities that can predispose one to, to development of COPD at an earlier age. This is called the alpha-1 antitrypsin level evaluation. It's a blood test, and if you are deficient in this particular protein, then you can get what is called a replacement therapy. So that, in a nutshell, forms the initial workup beyond what your normal regular doctors do the evaluation. Mm -hmm. All right. And Dr. Nassim, I'd like to talk about lung nodules and COPD. How often do we see lung nodules? So approximately 1% of COPD patients will develop lung cancer every year, and a lot of these will present as lung nodules. Smoking, which is one of the biggest predisposition factors for development of COPD, both hand-in-hand, alter the genetic profile of our cells, can stunt healing, and lead to unregulated repair and eventually lung nodules or the development of lung cancer in those lung nodules. So since COPD is a major risk factor for lung cancer, since 2013, the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force um, under the National Lung Screening Trial now recommends that we screen our COPD patients under a very wide criteria. And the criteria essentially is if you're 50 to 80 years old in good health, you've smoked for at least 20 um, pack years, which is the number of cigarettes smoked multiplied by the number of years, and you're actively smoking or you have quit in the past 15 years, we will do a dedicated low-dose screening CAT scan for you to see if, in your case, COPD has predisposed you to the development of nodules and if they're indicative of cancer. In doing so, we've been able to uh, find 80% of lung cancers at an early stage, or so to say stage one, at which point is curable. Without the advent of screening before in the early 90s and 200s, we were finding late stage lung cancers largely in the incurable stage, uh, about 70% of them. So we've come long ways, and it is very important to understand 
to screen our patients with COPD for lung nodules. Well, sticking with you, Dr. Nassim, and on the topic of lung nodules, what can then be done in COPD patients? So these lung nodules, we must understand, could also represent things other than malignancy. So these could be areas of healed infection and old pneumonia, evidence of a little bit of scarring. And so their management and what can we do about them is based on the size of the nodule. So if the size of the nodule is measured in the CAT scan at less than 8 millimeters, we would typically elect to follow them with serial CT scans. And the follow-up may be even an yearly CAT scan with a low-dose CT scan that you would be getting for screening anyway. And if the nodule is sizable, so it's between 6 and 8, then you may need a more frequent CAT scan to keep an eye on the fact that does it grow or not. And then for nodules that are over eight millimeters, those are really the concerning ones where we have to do some further workup. Now, the further workup could include obtaining a PET scan to see if this is a metabolically active nodule, or we can do a diagnostic or a surgical biopsy. So as an international pulmonologist, we perform endobrachial ultrasound as part of our bronchoscopies to biopsy the central nodules if there is a need. And for peripheral nodules, we now have minimally invasive techniques such as robotic bronchoscopy to biopsy the even smallest peripheral nodules and diagnose lung cancer in its earliest stage. And I want to add that bronchoscopic biopsies allow for diagnosis as well as staging of the cancer in the chest, saving our patients need to have two procedures or a surgical procedure up front just to establish diagnosis. And in doing so, we can offer um, curative services for lung cancer. Thank you. Now, Dr. Nanavati, is a person with COPD more susceptible to developing serious complications from COVID-19? Can you tell us about that? Right. So I think that it has been a blessing in disguise, if you will. The straight answer is yes, uh, if you got uh, COVID-19, And if you have underlying COPD, you would require supplemental oxygen much more easily. Some of the patients would be getting supplemental oxygen for their COPD, and then they end up in the hospital requiring more oxygen supplementation and other means to to continue to treat their respiratory failure. Uh, Why I say it has been a blessing in disguise is because as the patients with COPD wear masks and do frequent hand washing, the overall incidence of what is called a COPD exacerbation has uh, decreased dramatically. That is because we're not catching common colds. If you talk to people uh, since the COVID, very less number of common colds and things like that develop. And so if the COPD patient does not develop those respiratory infections, they don't get as many exacerbations. So if you get COVID, yes, you will experience more symptoms. But if you do everything to prevent COVID, you will also prevent other infections from developing. And thereby, you will have the advantage of uh, having hospitalization-free year or years ahead of time. So I think that masking and and uh, hand hygiene would be very important for COPD patients 
to carry forward even as we come out of the uh, pandemic as and when we come out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Nanavati, as we wrap up here, is there anything else, any other takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? I think as far as COPD is concerned, there has been dramatic change in the outlook of those patients. Uh, At one time, it was a disease of morbidity and, and too much suffering. I think that with advanced bronchoscopic techniques that uh, doctors like Dr. Nassim can do that uh, help patients with COPD with invasive procedures that are minimally invasive and improve their symptoms to advancement in pulmonary rehab in, and techniques of trying to improve their nutrition. I think that the outlook for COPD has uh, turned around um, as long as the patients work with their providers and achieve smoking cessation and follow the treatments, life of patient with COPD can be as normal as uh, their age match peers. So the outlook for COPD has improved tremendously. Seek help from a professional. Absolutely. And Dr. Nassim, anything else you'd like to add as we close out? Yes, yeah, so we at University of Maryland Medical System are dedicated to providing our patients with the best evidence-based care that they deserve, and we work towards establishing a collegial relationship in catering for their medical needs. And in addition to providing the holistic approach that was described with medications, vaccination, oxygen, cardiopulmonary rehabilitation, smoking cessation, we at University of Maryland also offer Zephyr valves in the treatment of COPD, Zephyr is an implantable device that occludes areas of emphysema in select patients and is also called bronchoscopic lung volume reduction. Well, doctors, thank you so much for joining us today and for all you do for the region. This episode is sponsored by UM Capital Region Health, the largest healthcare provider in Prince George's County, dedicated to enhancing the health and wellness of the community by providing high-quality, accessible patient care. UM Capital Region Health, changing up healthcare in Prince George's County. Find more shows just like this one at umms.org slash podcast. And thank you for listening to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We look forward to you joining us again.